Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois, and I love listening to Vishkana's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend, and the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Pierre Quenders is a talented, award-winning singer, composer, dancer, actor, and performer based in Montreal, Quebec. Born José-Louis Modabi, Quenders is originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo, where he lived until he was 16 years old, and he's been an active artist in Canada since 2014. In 2022, Quenders won the Polaris Music Prize for his album José-Louis and the Paradox of Love, which finds him singing in at least five languages and reflects his interests in things like Congolese rumba, pop music, and electronica with songs that explore liberty and romance. On January 12th, 2023, the Paradox of Love track No, No, No was highlighted for a remix EP released by Arts and Crafts and features contributions by artists like Vani Fox, Majuz, and Spilulu. Ahead of a February 16th show in Ottawa and a February 17th show in Toronto, Pierre and I connected for a nice conversation about hitting the road again and a newfound fondness for Edmonton, his travels to and from Kinshasa from Canada, 
how life in the Congo compares to his experience in other countries, his musical origin story and early love for dancing, what both Congolese rumba and Celine Dion mean to him, being a multilingual speaker and singer, how winning the Polaris Music Prize has impacted him, insights about his No, No, No EP, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this podcast, with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly people who work there who will happily help you source special orders and uh, things you want. Say you want some uh, Pierre Quenders records, just go to blackbird.ca, type in Pierre Quenders, see what they have available, and I'm sure... They can either ship it to you or have it on hand if you can come in to one of their locations. Again, for more info, visit blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 755 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Pierre Quenders with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Pierre. How's it going? Hi, Vish. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you today? Well, I'm back in Montreal right now. I just got back yesterday from uh, a few days uh, of uh, my tour right now. Yes. I, you know, I'm calling you from Edmonton, Alberta. I understand mm-hmm. you were you were just in Alberta. Is that correct? Yes. We just performed in Alberta two weeks ago, I think. And it was one of the... The best show so far of the tour. I was pretty much uh, excited about that one. Oh, nice. So that show is in Edmonton, but I believe you just played Calgary in the last couple of days. Is that right? Yes, I played Calgary this Saturday. Uh, There was uh, the Block Eater um, powered by um, Calgary uh, Folk Fest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you did a thing which is unusual. You played Edmonton sometime in late January. Then where (laughs) did you go? Did you just go home? (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, after Edmonton, we were still on tour. Okay. We, uh, we flew from Edmonton to Los Angeles. So we did uh, a little bit of the West Coast in the USA. We did Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle. I see. And then on the way back home, in a way, sort of, you were ba- ended up back in Alberta for a Calgary show. I get it. Exactly. We did, we did Victoria on the way after Seattle. We did Victoria, then uh, Vancouver, and Calgary. Nice. And and Edmonton sticks out for you. That's great. Yeah, really six hours. You know, I wasn't expecting uh, to have that much fun, but people showed up and it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you, you weren't expecting to have that much fun. What does that mean exactly? What did you hear? Well, about? <laughs> it's, it's the cold, you know, it's the cold. Uh, <laughs> I just yeah. figure people don't go out uh, that much because, you know, it's too cold outside. But, but there were some people, they were like a... At least uh, 120 people. So, and it was not a weekday, you know. It, it was, I think, it was a what, a Friday or something. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't a weekend, so it was like a Friday, and I was like, okay, this is good. This is Edmonton was showing up, and the food was amazing. I ended up eating at a restaurant next to my hotel, so I was uh, nicely surprised about the city. Oh, nice. So, so you'd never been to Edmonton before. 
I've been to Edmonton before. Uh, once I was touring with, uh, I was uh, opening for Busty and the Bass, but I didn't see much because uh-huh. the show, the show was kind of outside of the city in one of those big, uh, big centers, um, oh, like venues a, inside. Yeah. 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 It was so probably- I didn't really get to see the city that much, but this time, uh, was good because I got to see and, uh, you know, enjoy a little bit of the city uh, when I was there. Oh, that's lovely. You know, I'm, I'm only, I've only lived in this city about, uh, three years myself. So I'm still getting used to things. Uh, I'm from Ontario originally. So I, mm. I'm still getting used to it. So no, it's nice to hear your perspective on that. To be, to be honest. Now you mentioned a bunch of tour dates there. Are, is this a return to touring for you? Did you take any kind of break in the last three years? I mean, the pandemic was the break. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm obviously alluding to. Maybe, but I've talked to all sorts. Yeah. People have done all sorts of things. They, some people have plowed right through it and they, they were as active as they could be given the circumstances. Others were like, yeah, this is my first, I haven't toured in three or four years kind of thing. You know what I mean? Well, for me, it was kind of different because I kind of uh, kept touring during the pandemic a little bit. And uh, during the um, pandemic with my collective Moonshine, we went back to Congo and did some work over there, recorded music. Also, some of the songs on the album, I started re- uh, writing them uh, in Congo and with my collective Moonshine, I'm also a DJ. So yeah. I got to travel with uh, my, my DJ career uh, as well. So I did a lot of DJing during this past three years. But it feels good to be back on stage performing my own songs. Yeah. Did it feel distinctive? Like, did it feel different to be touring in 2022, 2023 than it may have uh, in the years prior to the pandemic? Like a sense feeling. Did you feel different? I mean, it felt it felt great to be back, definitely. But it didn't feel different yeah. in any way. But it really did feel, felt good to uh, just reconnect with people and also... The, the the main difference will be to perform all the songs that I put out in the past three years that I haven't had the chance to perform. And I'm performing some of them on stage now, so it feels very nice. Oh, very nice. Very good. How often do you get back to the Congo? Do you go frequently? Uh, I try to go at least um, once a year. So last time I was there uh, was January 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see my schedule this year with all the touring, if I can find a, a moment to uh, to go to go back uh, for at least for a little bit, you know, but I just feel for me, it's important to, to go back as much as I can uh, just to stay connected and, you know, to be, be able to be, uh, to still be inspired by my culture. It's important for me. Yeah. You, I assume you have lots of family there still. Still lots of family, a lot of cousins. Uh, uh, most of my siblings are o- overseas, but cousins, uncles and sisters, uh, and I have one oldest, my older sister is actually still there. So uh, it's always nice to go back and see her. Yeah. Uh, I, I did some flying uh, last year just in, into the States from Edmonton. And it was quite arduous in a sense. It was a long, like 18 hours to get to like uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I thought, wow, like when I was, I don't know what's going on. That seemed like a long time. I've never, you know, I, I've been I've not done a lot of flying out of Edmonton. Is it an arduous mm-hmm. arduous trek to get from Montreal to the Congo? Oh, it is definitely because there's first uh, there is no direct flight, so you you have to have a stop, and the, the stop can either be uh, uh, some country in Europe, could be France, Belgium, sometimes uh, even Germany. Yeah. So there's already like a six seven hour from Montreal to Europe, yeah. and then another six. Uh, seven, eight hours to Kinshasa. Right. So <laughs> like 16 hour flying in the air, but uh, in total, 
let's just say it's a 24 hour, you know, it's a, a full day of traveling. Right. Okay. So not, it's, that's always been the case. I guess what I'm saying is I thought maybe because I flew last year and I've heard people have like travel horror stories, uh, but you've been traveling from the Congo. I believe you moved to Montreal somewhere around 2008. Is that correct? 2001, actually. Oh, 2001. Yeah. I'm sorry. So you've been... You, you... It was December 2001, actually, like a few months after uh, the, the famous 9-11 moment. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Yes, a pensive time. Uh, what What actually, you know, I uh, first of all, let me just say, I appreciate that it's a, a long trip. I appreciate that it's worth it for <laughs> you to make this trip so you can see your family and get connected. Like, how long would you, for you know, given how hard it is to travel there, uh, in a sense, uh, did you make a point of staying there for a month, three weeks? What is it? Oh, I mean, one week is never enough. So especially when you're spending like a, a day traveling. So you want to spend the most time when you get there. Yeah. So um, I think two weeks is minimum and four you're getting close to the maximum. Some people can <laughs> stay longer, but <laughs> you get close. To, when I say you're getting close to the maximum, it's just like life goes on, life continues. You know, you gotta go back to yeah. to your own uh, your own business. But the good thing with me now, you know, uh, that the work that I do with music, I can still make uh, make music over there. So I can say as much as I I want to say uh if i if i wish you but i i always like to say at least 4 weeks 4 weeks 4 to 5 weeks yeah. 4 to 5 weeks max yeah so you get to see everybody and you get to do all the business that you had to do and enjoy life yeah sometimes when we uh go back home beyond seeing friends and family we might have particular places we want to go to restaurants maybe a music yeah. music venue this sort of thing do you have those in the congo like places you want to go and get some, you know, just get a flavor for your old life? Oh, there's a lot of places to go in Congo, but uh, the beauty of Kinshasa for, um, in particular, it's a musical city. It's the capital of Congolese Rumba. And um, being in Canada, we don't get the chance to see a lot of Congolese artists uh, perform here. So whenever I, I'm, I'm there, I like to, to see which artist uh, is playing. And there are a lot of legends still alive the Congolese room by that I haven't got the chance to see when I was younger. So whenever I'm back, I try to see, uh, uh last year we catched, uh, uh, a concert of, uh, Kofiolomi Day in Kinshasa, which was amazing. And, you know, hopefully this year when I get back, there will be another show that I can catch. You know, I just like to be inspired and I love nature. So, uh, my uncle has some land kind of far from the city, so sometimes I like to go there just to be in nature and eat some fruit and uh, eat some fish, you know. That's yeah. the kind of stuff I like to do. Oh, nice. That's lovely. I, You know, you're making me miss Ontario. <laughs> and there's not there's not even a lot of culture there, but I miss my, my parents' cooking. I miss my mother's cooking in particular now that we're talking about it. So I got to make a trek back at some point soon. Um, now, uh, yeah. you mentioned uh, that you moved to Canada and Montreal in 2001. Can you talk a little bit about what prompted you to make that move from the Congo uh, to Montreal? Well, I was just a kid. I was 16 back then. So uh, my mom moved here in 2000. Following uh, my auntie, uh, her younger sister, rest in peace. Um, uh, she passed away um, hmm. seven years now. And uh, she is the reason why my mom and I moved to Canada. And she always insisted uh, for my mom to move here 
And at some point, she visited uh, Kinshasa and insisted again. She was like, oh, you should move, you should move, you should move. And my mom made the move. She moved a year before me. And as a child, I had to follow. So that's kind of what, uh, uh, what brought me uh, to Canada. And I'm really, really, really grateful to my aunt and my mom to, to have brought me here because I wouldn't have become uh, who I am today, the artist that I am today, if uh, that didn't happen, I think. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say I'm I'm very sorry about the loss of your auntie. Yeah, thank you. I, I just want to express that. Um, do you have a sense of why your auntie would have said, we have to, let's, come on, you should come to Canada. What was it about the dif- difference between your your lives in the Congo and what she was experiencing in Canada? Did she articulate that to you? Well, she was, from her brothers and sisters, she was the only one living in Canada. And Canada was kind of far from Congo. And most of my mom's brothers were in Europe, in Switzerland. So she was kind of alone here and wanted family support. So I think that was the reason why she insisted on my mom coming here. And and it felt great when we were, we were here. You know, we we had our little family and uh, we still have the little family, even though she's not with us anymore. I think she still, uh, she still watches us, you know, and uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. She she was like, I'm lonely. Get over here. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) because I I will say um, for those of us who have never been to the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, the DRC, I think it's fair to say for uh, up until maybe recent years, uh, for centuries, it's been it sounds like it's been a pretty volatile place to live in terms of the politics of the area, there are wars, there are other uh, hardships. Uh, is that fair? Is, is that something that's true, do you think? I mean, I, I, I can say that it is true. You know, the, uh, on, on the politics side, uh, it is kind of um, still a growing coaster in Congo, especially with all the resources that the country has. So many other uh, uh, people have highs on Congo and that creates kind of a, a chaos sometimes. And, uh, we've been living in that for many years, but I don't think that it is, uh, less volatile than living anywhere else in the world. You know, uh, mm-hmm. people may think that it is dangerous, uh, living in Congo. I will, I will say otherwise because for me, uh, I've been traveling a lot and I've seen many countries and there is no other country that I'm more afraid of going than the United States of America. Right. So ask me why, you know, and, uh, and so I feel safer being in Kinshasa, Congo than being, uh, in random places, uh, in the United States. So that's just my point of view. But in terms, uh, when we talk about Congo, it is sad to say that yes, for many years that we've been, uh, it's been an unstable country, but it's still uh, possible to live there and, and be safe. And there is hope there, you know, people are still uh, hoping for better and people are working also for better. I imagine the answer is both obvious and horrific, but why, why do you feel less safe in the United States than even Canada uh, compared to the Congo? Well, it just has the, the statistic, you know, yeah. it just talks for itself. There is someone that gets killed every day, yeah. you know, gunshot killed every yeah. day, at least one people. And in Congo, nobody has a gun at home unless you're a cop or you're a soldier, you know. Yeah. So that's also the difference. Yes, it's unstable politically and because of all the resources and stuff, because of all the reasons but uh, some other countries are more unsafe than uh, than than Congo, in my personal opinion. 
Do you feel safe in Canada? I do. I do feel safe in Canada. You know, Canada is one of the few countries that I can say that. And, uh, you know, some, sometimes I can, you know, I watch over my shoulder, you know, uh, you, you can never be too safe, you know. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to, to live in Canada and, uh, I've been calling this, uh, this country my home for over 20 years now. So, uh, Canada is as much my home as, uh, Congo is. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, your music and your history with music, both in the Congo and in Canada, because you came here. Um, sorry, did you specify how old you were in 2001? I can't recall. I was 16. 16. Okay. So you are, you are, you have memories. You, you're not, you weren't like three years old. You would remember, uh, of you know, yeah. your life, your life in the Congo and you had a formative time here. Okay. I want to get mm-hmm. to the, this history in just a moment. One quick thing I want to ask you about since we're talking about the differences between some Western countries and your life in the Congo, particularly maybe since the pandemic or maybe before that, do you feel like we in North America treat things uh, much differently than you would in the Congo. When I say treat things, I mean like, uh, and t- the levels of seriousness with which we've taken this pandemic, for example, or, you know, other socio political or cultural problems. Do you think there's a distinction between how such things, in an overarching sense, are handled or dealt with by the people in the Congo as they are here? I, I know that's a bit vague. But do you kind of know where I'm, do you know where I'm coming from? Like, just like, there's an illness. We all have to be careful. We all kind of bat down the hatches. What would be the outlook in where you come from originally? Would it be much different than the way we've been treating it here? Well, I mean, that's a very tough question, you know, to, uh, to answer because, uh, that's something that affected like a lot of people, like the whole yeah. world kind of. Yeah. And, uh, different countries dealt with it in different ways. So, I wouldn't say that Canada dealt with it better than Congo or the USA or anybody because we we never know you, you never know how to deal with these kind of things when it comes and you only have the resources that you have to deal with it you know yeah. so some country had the resources that they had and they did the best in their way and some of them didn't have that many cases so yeah. it really it it is different so it, it would be hard for me to to say that in Canada we dealt with it better than in Congo or Either way, yeah. I think what I'm coming, where I'm coming from is in North America, in particular, Western country, when you hear about Ebola virus or other kinds of outbreaks, mm. until recently, I think there was a feeling like, well, that doesn't happen here. That happens in <laughs> other parts of the world. And that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm coming from. Like, I, mm. I wonder if some parts, and I know you can only speak about your own background and where you used to live, but I think some countries are like, yep, this is just another one of these things that we deal with. Like we will do our best to deal with this. Whereas I think the shock of this particular thing has been like, everyone's had to be like, okay, what are we doing and how are we dealing with this? Does that make more sense? Yeah, that kind of make more sense. Yes, of course, in, uh, in those countries, in some of country we deal with this situation more often than others, but it doesn't mean that when, uh, uh, it happens, uh, in the Western and uh, we'd be like, oh, uh, it's their time. To, to deal with it or, or, or saying that, okay, this is the thing that never happens here. Yeah. I mean, some people may have those, those kind of opinions, but it's not my opinion. 
See what I mean? I think, <laughs> what, I think you, you, you would have a different perspective, I think, is why, I, why I'm asking this. Like most of us who grew up here are like, what the hell? This is usually not something that happens here. We've had some. But the thing is, remember, I remember when I was a kid, when I was in Congo, there was uh, the uh, Ebola uh, yeah. epidemic. Yeah. But it was only happening in a few places in the country. It, it wasn't in the whole country, but uh, you will watch the news and they will make it as a big thing as if, if you come to Congo, you will get Ebola right away. But yes. we was, we were still living. Not all of us died uh, of Ebola. It's the same thing that happened here. Not everybody died of, of, uh, of yeah. COVID. Right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think you're the, I guess what you were saying is the media and lived experience, not always the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Got it. Thank you. I just wanted to, I, I, I like talking to people who, uh, you know, certainly aren't from, uh, westernized mm-hmm. countries. I just think your perspectives are, yeah. are maybe interesting and, and might actually help mm-hmm. just calm everyone down or, or not. I don't know. I mean, you, you oh, can, it should, I think yeah. people should definitely calm down, you know, yeah. and also just follow, follow the instruction, uh, as much as, uh, as they can, you know, you know, yeah. we can't judge anybody in, how they, they follow instructions, but you know, do your best and uh, try to survive. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I already feel more calm just hearing your voice <laughs> say these things. I feel more calm now. Uh, yeah, this you you, you uh, make this beautiful music. Uh, some of us have uh, been paying more attention to it in the last few years. I want to figure out your origin story a little bit for those uh, listening to us right now who may not be f- as familiar with it. Do you have a sense memory of when you first became intrigued by music, maybe as a child even? Uh, like when you thought, oh, what is this music thing? I like this. This makes me feel good. And uh, well, you know what I'm saying? I've always, yeah, I know what you're saying. I've always been drawn to music ever since I was a kid. I, I remember being like the dancer, you know, the kid who dances a lot and at all parties, family parties. And I'll be the kid that, you know, my cousins or my aunties and uncle will call uh, first to come on the dance floor and dance because <laughs> there'll be some good music that I like to, to dance on, you know. Yeah. So that was like, <laughs> that was my first, uh, you know, my first uh, love for music. It was dancing and I would dance all the time. And singing was always there. You know, I was singing here and there, but it wasn't really uh, something that I, I thought about, you know, my, in my family, my uncles used to play guitar and write songs and sing. So we will sing songs together sometimes. Most of the time will be, well, it's sad to say, but it's not always sad because, uh, you know, people would think that funerals can always be sad, but it's not always. So in, at least not in our culture. I remember once when my grandma passed away, my uncle wrote a song and asked all the grandchildren to sing at the burial. So mm. that was a very beautiful moment for me. And Canada is one of the, my music introduction, but it was only later when I moved to Canada and I joined the choir at, uh, at uh, the Convalisa Catholic uh, Church, the community here in Montreal. I was following my mom at church, and one Sunday uh, someone came to me after after the church and asked me to join the youth choir. And I was like, oh, sure, why not, you know? Yeah. And it started kind of there. Now, you mentioned, I want to ask about the music that moved you to actually dance. I'm curious about that. But just getting mm-hmm. to that, you were known as a dancer. People would ask you and your family to start oh. the dance floor, you know, get on the dance floor. 
so there's the movement. You were obviously sort of moved by the music. Like I say, I want to ask you about that. But what about the attention that you got? How important was it for you to be like, <laughs> oh, everyone's kind of looking at me and I feel, did that make you feel good? That that Obviously, you liked a bit of that attention. Is that fair to say? Well, I never thought of it like that, to be honest. You know, uh, uh, to, it's not about getting uh, attention. For me, it was just like I was I was happy and <laughs> music made me happy. I just wanted to dance and people were cheering because I was dancing and I just liked it. You know, uh, it wasn't about getting uh, more attention than, uh, than others at all. Well, I mean, on some level, though, I appreciate that you never thought about it. When you look back on it and thinking of yourself now as a dynamic and exciting live performer, there's probably it's not. I By the way, I don't mean this in a negative way. I just mean yeah. so, some children. I have two kids. Some children mm-hmm. are more uh, comfortable and poised in such circumstances. Others are shy. You didn't have that. So that says something. I guess I just wonder where your confidence comes from. Not Not as much like. I'm not well, worried. I'm not funny. concerned it's about fun. your ego. It's funny you saying. <laughs> it's it's funny you saying that. Uh, where the confidence comes from? Well, thank you for saying that. Right? But I'm actually really shy in real life. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that that is that that's not unusual though. I talk to lots of artists who say I'm actually very shy and introverted off stage. But something happens when I get on stage, and I can. Mm-hmm. I I want to be. You know, they don't say I want to be the center of attention, but obviously, if you go on stage and you gather people to look at you, there's mm. some something changes about you as a performer, oh, as a person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm definitely. asking. Definitely, Be- yeah. because I mean, and also it's the music, and the music ne- uh, uh, never lies, in my personal opinion. And you know, when you once you get there, you you just get filled by this energy and. You let loose, and you uh, you want to express yourself. You want to express uh, the meaning of this this uh, these songs that you've written through the movements of of your body. Yeah. I think that's just how I feel when uh, when I'm on stage, and I, and I feel it's uh, it's the same thing I felt when I was younger. You know, I knew those songs, I knew those lyrics, and I knew those movements, and it made me happy. Uh, whenever I, I could hear them sing, sing along and dance, uh, when I hear them, I think it's kind of the same uh, right now. Where whenever I get to on stage and I get to sing my song and I get to tell these stories and express them uh, through uh, my movements. Yeah, that's fair enough. You mentioned the familial uh, connections there. Your family got you, and I think you said your uncle um, mm-hmm. was among the people that um, had you singing, I guess, original songs. What kinds of music actually got you on the dance floor when you were very young? Do you remember? Oh, it's definitely Congolese Zumba. Zumba, <laughs> right. What? Yeah, yeah, Congolese Zumba, definitely. And we have many sort of dances in Congolese Zumba. There is one particular dance uh, that was very uh, successful when I was younger. It was called uh, Ndombolo. And yeah, that was... Uh, that was really uh, my jam when I was growing up. Now, I, I hate to ask you to articulate what a genre of music sounds like, but for those listening who may not be familiar with sort of the characteristics of Congolese rumba, can you possibly characterize some of some aspects of it for us? Well, I would say it's something between uh, Cuban rumba and, um, and traditional uh, Congolese music. Hmm. That's really what makes Congolese Zumba. Well, people, if you go online and read, people will say that it was uh, transferred, the music was transferred kind of during the, the slave trade between Cuba and Congo. 
Well, I'm not that, I'm not that smart to know all about that, but I know that there is uh, definitely a lot of similarities and a lot of connection between uh, Cuban rumba and Congolese rumba. But what's particular about Congolese rumba? It's all the traditional sound that that is added to it. Uh, all the traditional music from uh, different tribes of uh, of the country that you can hear and that just made it to took it to another level. I see. Okay. Now, were you at that time? Uh, influenced or even exposed to any particular westernized music that grabbed your attention at that age? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we grew up the TV and later on, late 90s, uh, internet got, uh, came in, you know, so we got to see a lot of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was very uh, popular everywhere in the world, you know. Yeah. Celine Dion. Celine Dion is still one of my favorites. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, Celine Dion, uh, I remember... I grew up in the 90s, so one of Celine's uh, uh, best songs in the 90s was Pour que tu m'aimes encore. And growing up in Congo, which is a French uh, francophone country, so Celine obviously would be very popular in, uh, in those areas. And Pour que tu m'aimes encore was a very uh, beautiful song and very successful in Africa in particular. Huh. Do you think that the the francophone uh, aspects of Canada and Celine Dion being from Quebec is there any way that drew you in some? Or th- sorry, I don't. I, I gather your circumstances are your family. Your family could mm-hmm. have taken you anywhere. You were you didn't have agents. You were just a kid. I get that part. But were you yeah. were you particularly uh-huh. excited to come to the place that Celine Dion was from? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you noticed it. You were like, "Oh my God, we're going to where she's from." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to where Celine Dion is from. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 incredible. Now, so you in Kinshasa, did did people tour there a lot? Were you able to see some of the musicians that you admired from outside of the Congo? No, unfortunately, no. I didn't see any artist there. And that's unfortunate because, you know, uh, I wish we would have had better infrastructure to help those artists to come. Uh, but unfortunately, it only happened when when I wasn't born, you know. There was uh, in 74, Mobutu, the former, former president Mobutu organized the fight with Ali uh, and yeah, Forman in Zaire, in yeah. Yes, yes. In Zaire. yeah. But back then it was Zaire, and you had all those artists, James Brown, Bill Wither, or, you know, many artists came through or through into perform, but we, unfortunately, we didn't see that. Uh, uh, for me growing up, we didn't get a chance to see uh, something like that. Oh, okay. So just a quick question are there you know here as you know there are arenas and stadiums and all sorts of music venues of various sizes you say there wasn't that much of an infrastructure did did anything like that exist for not just for uh, fighting or boxing or soccer or anything like that was there anything was it common to see african artists in those kinds of um, venues oh yeah definitely one of the biggest artists in congo right now is fali pupa and uh, it just played uh, last last October 2022 mm-hmm. at uh, the stadium in Kinshasa, the um, uh, Stade de Martyr in Kinshasa, and I think it was about like uh, 120,000 people. Oh, 120,000 people! Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was that's a lot of people, and <laughs> and Fali is one of the biggest uh, Congolese artists right now, and actually even one of the biggest African artists right now. So the Congo is like one of the largest and most populous countries in the world, right? 
I would think so. I, I know that Kinshasa is one of the biggest Franco-owned city in the world. So there's at least 20, uh, almost like 18 million people living in Kinshasa right now. Yeah. So I guess I'm, I would think somebody even outside of the country would want to capitalize on this and say, you should be a tour stop somehow. You know, <laughs> we well, should. I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh, let's let's hope someone will will, will figure that out soon. <laughs> <laughs> is 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 your success here uh, noted there? Are people beyond your family and friends? Are, mm-hmm. are you known as someone who kind of has not transcended, but has done well for yourself? Outside of the Congo, I, think, I would I would think so. I don't think many people know about me, but a few people know. You know, uh, early uh, January next year, before my my album came out, I did a, a listening party. The first listening party that I did it was uh, when I was in Kinshasa. So, and I invited a few people, and a few uh, media came uh, that were interested, and especially because of one of the songs in the album, it's titled Papa Wemba. Papa Wemba was one of the greatest Congolese Wemba. Uh, singer ever existed so uh, that was a a very uh proud moment for me uh, to to be able to share that uh, with the Congolese people oh that's lovely and that's a great song too i i appreciate that that has done well for you that's great um now (laughs) we talked about the dancing we talked about you coming to montreal and joining the choir and that shifting something in you do you have a sense memory of when you thought music is not something i can engage with just casually I can do this. I can sing. I can play. Do you remember what prompted you to get into that way of thinking? Well, it's. I mean, for a while, I did. The, I did two jobs. You know, I was doing the music, and I, and I, I was a tax collector at the same time. You know, because just I wanted really to be to be sure that uh, I was on the I was on the right path, and I decided to take a, a sabbatical. So I took a sabbatical, and during the sabbatical, I toured a lot. And I believe it was really in that moment that I realized it's like uh, the stage was uh, where I needed to be. And mm-hmm. I, didn't, I, ne- I never went back to work. So <laughs> I'm still doing it. It's been, uh, it's been over six years. It's been over six years now. I'm only doing music and I'm very happy about it. Well, good for you. How many actual instruments do you play? I know. And I also want to ask how many languages you speak because... I mean, listening to your music, I, I can pick up on some things in French and English. Other t- other places, I'm sort of lost uh, lyrically, but that's mm-hmm. I also get the feeling from it, which is just mm-hmm. as just as important to me as a listener. But sorry, uh, how many mm-hmm. instruments do you play? Do you have like a first instrument actually? Well, as, I mean, my only instrument is my voice, you know. Yeah. And uh, and my voice, and uh, I would say also my body because I like to dance a lot. I move a lot when I'm on stage. Yeah. Uh, that's the only instrument. I try to play guitar a few times, but uh, I'm kind of lazy. So I like to sing uh, and dance. <laughs> so, do you have any musical training whatsoever, or have you just sort of made this up? My only musical training was really being in the choir, and I'm really grateful that I really started singing in a choir because it taught me a lot. Yeah. And you can you can even even hear it in my music, you know, uh, you know all the I do all the harmonies and all every all the backing uh, myself, you know, and I learned that all in the choir. That's amazing. That's great. So your voice is your primary instrument. So you mm-hmm. when you have an idea for a song. You must what collaborate with some other people to try to bring it to life. Is that how it works? Usually? Yeah, yeah. I collaborate, and we'll be in studio, and I'll have some ideas. I'll bring some ideas, and and we we bring the magic to life. 
<laughs> now back to my back to my other question. Uh, how yeah. many how many languages would you say you're fluent in at the moment? I would say three, which will be English, French, and Lingala. Yeah. Okay. And and but I sing in five six languages. So the the first three that I just mentioned: French, English, Lingala, and Chiluba, uh, Kikongo, Swahili, uh, which are all languages from Congo. I did try a little bit of Portuguese here and there, and I also did a song in Dothraki, which is one of the languages from Game of Thrones with with one of my friends. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> I like to do. <laughs> so you're you're not content with actual languages. You're also interested in made up ones. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Now what? So most people, you've got three languages you're fluent in, and I'll be honest with you, most people barely have one. So what possesses you to? Not only on a, uh, you know, in your music, not only stick to the three that you know well, to actually sing in languages you're not as fluent in. Can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I mean, we were talking about the choir before. You know, being in a choir also helped me to that because I was in a choir and where we were singing in a Congolese Catholic church. Uh, so we will be singing a lot of Congolese uh, church songs, and in Congolese Catholic church, we sing in pretty much all the languages of the country. So because there were, there are so many uh, tribes, you know, you can't go to, when you go to church, there'll be a song uh, in Chiluba at the beginning and there'll be a song in Lingala at the end, there'll be a song in Congo in, in the middle. Yeah. So as a, as a singer in the choir, you, you have to learn these songs. You kind of have to learn how to sing these songs, yeah. you know, how to, pron- how to pronounce these words. So I know how to read those languages but I don't, uh, I can understand some word here and there, but I won't be able to all the conversation like, uh, like someone who's currently, uh, in them, but uh, I'm able to sing in them, you know, as I was able to sing in English before even being, uh, very fluent in English. And, yeah. uh, you know, no, I appreciate that. You know, some people would suggest to uh, someone whose, uh, dominant language isn't English to potentially write lyrics and sing in English so that they can reach uh, a wider audience. But I actually think mm. you've done the, you make me think that that logic is flawed because if you're mm-hmm. singing in five or six languages, ideally you can actually reach five or six different audiences. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And you said something, uh, and I didn't have, uh, I didn't even have to tell you that. You said something earlier. You said you get, uh, you, when you listen to my music, you can get the words in French and English here and there, but, and you get lost w- uh, with the rest, but you can still feel it. Yeah. And that's to me is the most important thing. You know, you don't have to necessarily understand the lyrics, but as long as you feel, uh, what's the message, and that's the most important thing. I remember growing up listening to music from South Africa, uh, from artists like uh, Yvonne Chaka Chaka or Miriam Makeba singing yeah. in their languages. And I didn't understand nothing about uh, whatever they were saying, but I just felt connected to it uh, for, uh, some way, somehow. Yeah. And that's to me the most important thing in especially music. Music has no boundaries. Uh, and regardless of, uh, regardless of the language, uh, I find myself listening to, uh, uh, Indian music. When I say Indian, I'm really talking about India here. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm from. Or that's where my family's from. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, I find that really beautiful. And I always wanted to be like, I need to learn to find a way to learn the technique of this way of singing because that's <laughs> that's just how curious I am. So maybe on my next album, we'll find <laughs> I can sing in Hindu or, you know, in one of the languages. Sure, you know? yeah, I can connect you with my parents. <laughs> they can teach you some Hindi. It'll be great. You can learn how to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That's absolutely true. I think the voice of someone can yeah. carry just as much emotion as mm-hmm. the content, if you will. Uh, but, ha- exactly. but having said that, um, I know that, you know, for the, you, you do tend to put a lot of thought into the lyrics and what you're, what you're actually singing about. And I, the feeling I get is one of, I don't know. I feel like I feel a little bit of empowerment. I feel like there's some romance there. My wife and I were listening to your music and she really enjoyed it. And she got that feeling too. Like this is like a sensual kind of romantic music. Um, is that a, mm-hmm. does that resonate with you? Does that seem like a, an, an even or, or like a, an accurate rather, uh, description of what you're kind of getting at? Oh, definitely. Yes. There is a, 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 a romantic, uh, side to it and even a lot of sensual also, uh, yeah. uh, so music, uh, you know, I, um, I'm a sucker for love, you know. I love uh, singing about love, and you know, or everything that that's related to love. You know, I love talking about uh, this thing. But but there is also songs about empowerment, like you said. You know, and you have this the first song of uh, of the uh, of this album, Joseph uh, Projects of Love, Liberté, Egalité, Sagacité, which to me is an empowerment. You know, uh, song to empower people. You know, it's. Uh, it's like a, and to also question people, question our, our, our values, or you know, question uh, whether are we on the right path or not. Whether we sh- uh, should we change our, our ways or keep doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. So there's a little, there's a little bit of uh, all of that, but a lot of love still. Yeah, we talked about some of your musical influences. You cited a couple of songwriters as well. But I want to expand upon that. In terms of lyricism, lyrics, mm-hmm. do you have particular influences, uh, people that inspire you as a songwriter? Oof. I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't have names like that, you know, but uh, I'm, I'm really drawn to, like, uh, beautiful poetry. And so I think any songs that just has this uh, a way of, saying things in in a beautiful way that that is where I'm more drawn to you know it doesn't have to be the deepest of the deepest lyrics ever you know yeah. uh, sometimes sometimes you can say two things and mean five things at the same time you know I'm more drawn to this kind of way of writing than uh, like over explaining things for no reason fair enough no that's fine and I, I like I say I, I pick up on those those sensations and feelings mm-hmm. uh, in your work. So I, you know, this, by the way, this is not a critique. I think they're great. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I need to know everything. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I tell you the feelings are there. Um, you know, yeah. you, you obviously, and I didn't get a chance to say this. Congratulations on winning the uh, 2022 Polaris music prize. Uh, that, that Thank is, a, that is a tremendous feat. Um, were you surprised? surprised by this in any particular way? I mean, you're nominated, you're on the short list, there's always a chance, but were you surprised that night? I wasn't surprised. When I left Montreal that day, I went there and I was like, I'm going to win this thing. Really? You really <laughs> felt that? Why, why did you feel that? 
I don't know. It just it felt right, and you know, uh, I was kind of. I, I remember being very scared when uh, the album came out at first, yeah. uh, because it was such a personal album uh, for me, and uh, for uh, with so much in that album, you could even hear my mom in that album. You know, well, people don't really see my mom that much. Or I, I talk about her uh, a lot, but yeah. and people uh, got to hear it on on this album. So, and even writing that song was one of the scariest thing. Uh, uh, for me, mm. so I was very proud that when the album came out, and being on the, f- first being on the the long list was uh, wonderful, and then being on the short list. As soon as I was on the short list, I was like, okay, this is it. We're going. In. We're going. We're going. <laughs> well, I will say, I, I I appreciate your confidence. That's great. You never know what's going to happen, but that's great. I'm glad you felt that. I mean, it was a feeling. Again, yeah. you had a feeling, I guess is what you're saying. I had a feeling, yeah. I had a feeling, and I think it was the moment, you know. And, I mean, even even if it wasn't the moment, you know, I think I'll, uh, I'll, make, uh, I'll make another one that will still, you know, uh, get the attention uh, deserved. Do you, do you feel like, I know there's a huge monetary prize. That can be life-changing. Did the actual, you know, victory, does it feel like it changed your life in some way? Well, it's, I mean, I can see in, uh, I, I mean, I, we mentioned all the days that I done touring, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I saw the difference, like, uh, in, especially in, um, in Canada, yeah. in some cities that I've played before, I've seen more people and I've seen people actually coming to see me, you know, so to, uh, even if it's for discovering me for the first time, but they were really exciting to be there just for me. So mm-hmm. that's, that's nice. I think that, kind of comes with uh with this prize because you know people hear about me uh in canada and even you know elsewhere even in the united states you know they hear about it and all yeah so i'm really i'm really really grateful and you know the money helps to pay all the debts you know (laughs) yes of course i mean obviously the money is yeah it's a big thing yeah Yeah. it's a it's a big thing it helps to pay all the the investment that we did for uh to to make it this far so i'm really really grateful for that definitely nice now as we're speaking you've just released a remix ep for the song no 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 uh from Mm -hmm. from this record um can you talk a little bit both about Maybe why this song in particular seemed like it could be a candidate for such a treatment. And within that, can you <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, these remixes? Because they're quite vibrant in their own way. Well, we talked about passion. And this is this song is one of uh, the most passionate to me. No, no, no. You know, it's like uh, the title sounds kind of negative, but all the lyrics are saying the, uh, the, the opposite, which is like... Uh, I want you and the first thing the first thing that came to my mind when I when I saw you was uh, was I want to marry you you know it's that's kind of what I'm <laughs> that's what I'm saying in the in that song and for me it's like you know it's a love it's a love anthem and I wanted to to share it with the most people and, and see it in different in different vibes you know which is why I invited Vanny Fox Young artists from uh, Portugal, Lisbon, and he brought us uh, a little Kuduro vibe, uh, kind of Kizomba vibe, you know, slow down a little more the song. And you have this amazing producer and DJ Spilulu from Congo, Lubumbashi, is a pioneer of electronic music in Congo. And it was important for me definitely to have him remix this and Add, why not add another voice? You know, Majus, younger artist, also from Congo, yeah. 
best in Lubumba, uh, best in Lubumba. Uh, it's just important for me to really like showcase uh, like young artists and even older artists that didn't really have also you know uh, the chance to uh, to be seen elsewhere. And me inviting my Jews from Congo or Spiru from Congo or of any folks from Portugal to give them you know. Uh, the Canadian eye, and you know, I, can, I can't be the only one enjoying the talent. You know, Canada also, I can have the chance to enjoy the talent. Oh, that's well, that's lovely, and it's a, it's really amazing. I appreciate this EP as a compliment to this record. Um, the records sort of the title invokes uh, the paradox of love. I'm just curious. You know, you time goes by, you process things. Are you any closer, Pierre, to figuring out? <laughs> This paradox. Uh, do you have any new insights about love and what it means to you? I'm not. I'm not any closer <laughs> to figure. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an honest answer. I, I'm not trying to pry. I don't mean to pry, but I just wonder because you know you put your heart out there, and uh, then you know sometimes just like you had a feeling you were going to win the Polaris Music Prize, you express yourself, and then <laughs> but, love finds you. But I don't. But to be honest, I don't think I would ever find out, you yeah. know, and that's the beauty about love, you know, it's very uh, mysterious, you know, and we just ha- have to trust, uh, trust love and trust our guts and, and first love ourselves and try to love the people around us and yeah. most importantly, also respect them. Yeah. Well, that's well said as well. Now, first, uh, to, to wrap up here, I have a couple of quick things. One, um, I'm wondering mm-hmm. if you can tell us what's coming up next for you. And secondly, uh, if people want to learn more about you and your work, I wonder if you can uh, direct us to the best place to do that, I guess, you know, on the Internet or whatnot. So, yes, can you tell us what's coming up and also where we can learn more about what's coming up? Well, what's coming up, there's a few more dates. We have four days uh, left to the tour. Mm-hmm. Ottawa this week. At Toronto this week, Thursday and Friday, and next week Quebec City and Montreal. We're ending this uh, the tour in Montreal. I'm very excited to close uh, to close this tour, but I'm also very excited for the summer and hopefully uh, back in Edmonton in the summer. Who knows? You know, we'll see. Uh, oh, nice. and, and I love that. I have a little surprise. I would say that is coming. Sometime in April. Oh, that's what okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> okay, a surprise. That's what I'm gonna say. Okay, fair enough. That's that's great. Thank you for that insight. And, and where can people go to learn more about you uh, and follow your exploits? Definitely on my social: Facebook, Pierre Coinders, or uh, Instagram. Definitely at Pierre Coinders on my website, PierreCoinders.com. Uh, you can find me. Yeah. Oh, also, my label, Austin Crap, so all the info's out there. Okay, perfect. Now, if we can go out on a song, I assume we should probably pick something from this remix EP for No, No, No. If we can go out on Ooh. one of these pieces, can you choose one and tell us why uh, you chose it? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's tough. It, it's, there's, only th- there's only three, right? There's only three songs. Is that correct? Yeah, there's only three. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Do, shall we do any, any money more? Yeah, whatever you want. I mean, I know it's hard. I know that we can pick anyone. Yes, I just thought if you want to give people a flavor for what this EP is about. Yeah, let's go with uh, Vanny Fox Remix. Okay, this is the second track on this EP. Any any particular reason you chose that one? I mean, it's it's about love and it's about keeping people warm. And I think this version will keep people warm. You know, if you, you have a partner... 
dance with your partner on this song and I'm sure they love it. Okay. <laughs> All right. From the, uh, <laughs> from the wonderful new EP, uh, remix EP for the song No, No, No. This is No, No, No featuring Vanny Fox by Pierre Quenders. Uh, Pierre, this was a, a real pleasure and an honor for me to have you on this show. I hope you enjoyed yourself and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much, Vish. Have a wonderful day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That was very enjoyable. I've never spoken with Pierre Quenders before. I don't think we've met. Maybe we've been in the same rooms. I'm sure we have. Anyway, it was very nice to have Pierre on this, the 755th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can currently like Creative Control on Facebook, uh, follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Hive and Mastodon and Post. I can't, is that all at Vishkana? Some of those aren't just at Vishkana, but I'm on those things now for some reason, but I only really use a couple of them. Anyway, again, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at least at Vishkana and uh, if you're on the other things, find me there as well, if you want to. Visit patreon.com slash creative control if you can please to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the work that goes into making this podcast you can you can donate any amount you want and adjust it at any time you could start out at uh, six dollars american or more a month and that grants you access to some exclusive content uh, bonus material episodes earlier than everybody else uh, that sort of thing uh, but you can do lower than $6 American or more a month. You can do higher, and you can change it at any time, and people do this. And uh, it means a lot. I know it's hard out there financially, uh, so thank you for even thinking of uh, sparing some of your dough uh, to support this show. It means a lot. And uh, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one just as soon as is humanly possible. Thanks again to the excellent Alberta record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca and as i mentioned at the top of the show you can also order records from their website blackbird.ca also want to thank pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario for their in-kind support for this show thanks as always to my dear friend jim guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show jim just uh, messaged me to say he really enjoyed the recent episode with our mutual friend Noah 23 so thanks for listening Jim and again learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org and finally thank you for listening to this episode with Pierre Quenders I hope you'll check out Pierre's music and go see him live he's a really uh, dynamic performer and uh, obviously a very thoughtful fellow I hope you uh, I hope that came across and I hope you will subscribe to Creative Control the podcast or follow it and suggest to your friends that they might want to do the same uh, to help them uh, get through their days, kill some time, learn some things, maybe. I don't know. Thanks for that. I got to go. Stomach hurts. But I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.